conception. It can take many different forms. And no, this is not a high school lesson on a reproduction. And until now, like many of you, I have subscribed to the God-given form of procreation. And having said that, I'm gonna have you sit back and I'm gonna describe a new form of creating life that I was directly involved in. And you do not have to cover your ears thinking I'm gonna say something totally inappropriate. That's at the 10.30 Shabbat service. It's not cloning me into a junior Rabbi Bauer with far more hair that I'm referring to. It is a stem cell donation that created an exact duplicate of my cells in another 43-year-old woman somewhere here in the United States. The same red blood cells, the same white blood cells. And it sounds like science fiction, doesn't it? Eight years ago, when I was in rabbinical school, one of my classmates, his mother had leukemia. So they did a stem cell bone marrow drive where they brought to campus a bunch of tables and they took out a package just like this. They took a Q-tip out, just like this one, and they swabbed the inside of our mouth and then the other side, they put it in and I didn't hear from them until January. And it was up in Tahoe in January and there was virtually no snow except for the man-made snow and I was playing with my kids and my phone rang and it was them. And they told me that I was a match, a first level match for a 43 year old woman with leukemia who lived somewhere here in the United States but wouldn't tell me where, that's as much information as they would give me. And they asked me if I would be willing to go and give a little vial of blood to see if I matched on stage two. I'm like, yeah, of course. And they were, they were profusely thanking me, which I didn't understand at the time. And I said, yeah, of course, when I get back down, I'll you know, go give the blood and we'll see what happens. So I gave the blood, and then four weeks later, I got another call, and I was the match. Of all of the people in the entire world, I happened to be the one who matched nearly perfectly with this woman. Now, once you get to that stage of being the match, then you go through this interview process where they go and they tell you about all the possible things that could happen and the what's going to occur and they're, how they're going to take the stem cells. And in part of the phone call, they say to you, now listen, you can back out now. <clears throat> I said, no, no, I can't. They go, no, no, sir, you need to understand this. Now is the time that you can back out. I go, no, I, I can't. And at this point, she started getting frustrated with me. And she goes, no, sir, you need to understand. You can back out. And there was this awkward long pause. And I said, um, I, I can't, I'm a Jew, I'm obligated. And she was really confused by this. She was kind of off her game for a while and then she got back onto the script of everything that she needed to tell me. And part of this, let me explain why I think it was so confusing, is because for me as a Jew, it wasn't a choice, it was an obligation. And we live in a society that is filled with choice. You can have the white iPhone 5 for 4S, the 16 gig or the 64 gig. You can choose what kind of pizza you want, if you're gonna give charity or not. And even if you look at this current election cycle, it's all about choices. 
do you want to support certain members of society or is that their obligation? It's this constant discussion that we have here about choice. But as a Jew, there are times that we don't actually have a choice. That's what it means to be commanded. We as Jews, we do meets vote, but we don't do charity. There's actually a big difference here. Charity, it's a Christian concept, and it comes from the Latin root of kiritat, or kiritas, which is Christian love. So you, you have an emotion, you have that, that empathic feeling in the world, and because of that empathic feeling, then you go and act. Now, in, in Judaism, it's profoundly different. It's not actually about how you feel. The first thing that you do is that you act, and then you may have an emotion afterwards. And even if you don't want to do it, it's irrelevant. We start with our action. One of the things to realize, and I think it was Rabbi Heschel who pointed this out, is that we as human beings, we don't do what we believe, but we believe what we do. And so when this person on the phone told me that I could back out, that it was a choice, I honestly felt that it was not a choice. This was an obligation. Part of the reason they tell you you come back out then is that as you move on in the process, so when you're actually sitting in the chair and they're taking your blood out and they're centrifuging your blood to get your platelets, this woman somewhere in the United States had killed all of her stem cells and was waiting for me. And if I backed out then, she would have died. So they want to make it very clear that if you're going to back out, this is the moment, because when you get closer, there's no backing out anymore. In this week's Parshat Vayera, Abraham is told that the entire city of Sodom and Gomorrah is going to be destroyed. God tells him this. And the easy thing to do for Abraham, considering this is God talking, is to do nothing to go, okay, it's tragic, but what am I going to do? But he does the exact opposite. What he does is he vayigash. He literally steps into this conversation with God and he says, which means, who do you think you are? He yells at God and he calls God out and said, look, the way you are acting is not moral. Going to destroy an entire city is not how you behave in this world. And he gets face to face with God and he yells at God and claims that the vision he has for the world is a more moral one than what God is proclaiming. And that's when they go into the bargaining where he says, look, give me 50 lives. And God goes, fine, you get 50 lives, you can save the city. And he goes, ah, oh, I got a deal here. And he goes 50 to 40 to 30 to eventually to 10 and they agree on 10. But it's a profound moment that we're in this week in the Torah. And of course, there was a part of me that did not want to donate my stem cells. There was actually other things that I thought I could have done that would have been more pleasant. They came to my house for the three days prior to it at the crack of dawn with my three kids already up and yelling and would give me shots in my belly to make my stem cell counts go way up so they could grab them all. I had to sit still, and I'm not good at sitting still, for five hours with a needle in this arm, pulling the blood out, centrifuging it, and then returning it to this arm over here. There's other ways I actually could have spent that time that would have been more pleasant. 
But it wasn't a choice that was irrelevant because I'm a Jew and I was obligated to do it, to save this woman's life. And the rabbis say that when you save a life, when you do that mitzvah, it's as if you've saved the entire world. And I know some of you, when you listen to me say this, you can be turned off because we live in a country that promotes rugged individualism. And then along comes Judaism and says, you know something? You individually are part of something much greater than just your individual self. You are part of this movement that is trying to change the world. You are come from a person who's willing to yell at God in order to push more and more life into this world. That's who we are. Now, within a week or two after my stem cells, they take the bag and they run it downstairs and a person drove it to Oakland Airport and flew it away to God knows where. I still don't know. About two weeks after that, my cells became that woman's cells. Any allergies that she had were gone. Any allergies that I had, she now had. Any illness that I'd ever fought in my lifetime and I developed immunity to, she now had that immunity. There was a replica of me somewhere in this country. So tonight, I am not asking, I'm not pleading or telling you that you're going to feel selfless or how incredible that you're going to feel because you might feel incredible, but then at the same time, you might feel absolutely nothing. But rather, I'm telling you that when you walk out of these doors in the back here, there is going to be a table with a volunteer who will be using a Q-tip just like that one I showed you. It's actually one of her Q-tips. I used, took it from her for a prop. And she's going to give you the incredible opportunity to swab your cheek and to give you that opportunity to vie gosh, to stand up and do what you were always meant to do, to stand up just like Abraham and to open up the possibility of saving a life. And therefore, according to our rabbis, possibly saving the entire world. Shabbat Shalom.